Welcome to Web3 Unpacked. I'm your host, Rich Pasqua, founder and CEO of ARC. Each week, we unpack the Web3 revolution. Join us as we discover and explore the people, projects, and visionaries building the trusted web. Hi, everybody. This is Web3 Unpacked. I'm Matt Sky. And uh, Rich, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Matt. So, Looking forward to getting into this conversation. So I think something Oops. that a lot of people would wonder when they listen to this podcast, uh, why listen to us? And <laughs> what is ARC? I think that's something that's so important for people to understand. Yeah. Um, well, here at ARC, we're a digital transformation company, and we help organizations realize their potential for products and services within the web two and especially the web three space. Now um, we feel it's important to not only educate our clients, but work with them in problem solving and strategizing new solutions, uh, whether it be design and branding solutions or technology platform solutions. Um, we develop conceptualize and design uh, products and, and, and digital services for our clients with a strong emphasis on communications. And I guess this is always an interesting thing. What is that convergence of marketing and blockchain exactly when we see those two worlds collide? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. It's the kind of the million, million dollar question, Matt. Um, uh, people are still trying to figure it out. We're trying to figure it out. You know, everyone is trying to figure it out. But there are some really interesting things happening now where um, people don't really, they only see NFTs, if you will, uh, or blockchain as NFTs or board apes or crypto punks, um, very art driven, uh, creative driven expressions of NFTs, but there are some smarts behind it. Meaning it is, uh, a, a contract that's, you know, locks you in or locks your ownership in, uh, and creates an indelible connection between you and your digital asset, if you will. And so when you say that, when you say it's a digital asset, um, maybe what would be a good example? Like, I think it is true right now. Everyone thinks purely in art terms for the most part uh, with OpenSea and with all these different marketplaces. But what would it look like if we're, say, what is an example? Would it be in real estate? Would it be a, a legal contract? A divorce? <laughs> what would it look like? I don't know what NFT divorce is. That's an interesting idea. <laughs> well, um, all of the above and then some. So any time you need to create a trusted connection between two entities, two parties, whatever it may be, NFTs and smart contracts will be the vehicle in which you can do it. So yeah, real estate is one thing. You could have multiple parties partaking in the purchase of, say, uh, land in Florida or a home in Florida, um, and there may be four parties. But those four parties uh, contribute different amounts of money. So there, everything can be recorded properly. Um, assets can be divided equally without um, disruption and or uh, debate, if you will. So it becomes its own legal legal document. Of course, you need the language that's packed around it to to support everything. Um, but yeah, you could have fractional. Uh, one one use case that was interesting to me is fractional exotic wine purchases. Hmm. So you can actually, you know, you and your friends can go in and own a very wonderful, special, maybe even rare bottle of French wine, perhaps, um, and you all have access to it. It becomes almost like an investment, too. So so I guess it's providing this validation. It's providing ownership. Uh, it provides a certain interactivity and intelligence. I know this is something you and I have talked about, and I'm going to ask you sort of a multi-tiered question, I think, for us to get into it. But you have this very unique, extensive background in marketing. And I think when we look at NFTs in the way we're talking about it, there's so much to this concept of of loyalty programs, of rewards points, 
of being able to interact with your customer in a way that was never before possible. And I think if maybe if you could just give us sort of a, a walkthrough in terms of your own background and, and where you see the potential, I think that seems like from our perspective, am I right? That seems like that's really the the sort of trillion dollar question is how how can we use NFTs to, to really capture uh, customer loyalty in a way that was never possible? Yeah, and I think once we start to think about how we can use NFTs and, and the blockchain, for example, you know, across the board as a vehicle to aid or help us market and brand our products and services or ourselves is is really, uh, really interesting and very vast and detailed right now because we're still trying to figure it out. But membership, exclusivity, reward systems, um, brand awareness is a big one, which we're going to get into. Um, and then, you know, brands in gaming. So what is the, the metaverse? What's the role of the metaverse uh, with brands as well? So, um, you know, it's interesting just to, to take a step back, but the non-fungible market you know, has or the NFT sales in the in the first half of 2001 reached an impressive 2.5 billion dollars. Pretty big. Yeah. So just starting off there, it shows that the, the market is is growing and this foundation is growing, uh, and people are finding new new uses for it and transacting with it. So with that said, you know, I think you know the most important thing that brands and marketers and advertising folks really want to do is extend the life of their brand or their products experience. Um, when I worked at Nickelodeon, we uh, built hundreds of games in support of the shows and the shows and the characters themselves supported our games. So we had a pitch and a catch and it was all within the idea or the vein of, extending a child's interaction or playtime with say spongebob or door the explorer um, and it worked quite well um, areas where, where we're seeing things really pop up beyond the obvious validating ownership is going to be uh you know you could have charities um, using this uh, and i think that's just kind of table stakes because Charities, now you can have a very, very, um, how do I say, regulated or controlled means of accepting funds and um, contributors know exactly where things are going. Um, I think physical events are really, really attractive for NFTs. So, so instead of buying a concert ticket, or uh, a ticket to the Rangers game at mm -hmm. Madison Square Garden. Uh, you'll have an NFT. Once you have an NFT, now you can add the smarts to it. Now you can add um, controls to it. So you enter it. It knows that you've entered the venue. Um, it knows where you're sitting. So now vendors uh, behind the scenes and uh, people organizing the producers and uh, organizers of the events can now have some control over how they communicate with individual ticket holders. And that's super powerful, right? So you may have restaurants and, you know, bars and, um, you know, clothing shops for, for um, memorabilia that you want to take home or collectibles. Um, and you could control how you communicate with individuals or actual sections of a venue. So you could um, control uh, how the entire place exits or enters the building. Uh, you can control uh, special discounts for food and beverages and, and other, um, other consumable goods. Um, and now you put a little more control into the actual vendor's hands, but it also aids 
and helps the end user in the sense of, well, these are really cool things. I'm a big Ranger fan or whatever I'm, whatever <laughs> event I'm at. Um, I want that jersey because I'm so amped up and it's on sale. So you, you can now make those maybe on the fence, you know, uh, purchase decisions a little bit easier for people. You can control where they go. You can actually, um, you know, manipulate, you can gamify it as well. So now with your, through your NFT, you can create games within the NFT or your ticket, if you will, uh, and have, um, you know, trivia night on the board during halftime. You could have bingo. You could, you could do all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, well beyond bingo, but um, <laughs> I was going to say, wow, this but, hot bingo tournament. Yeah. yeah, hot bingo. But you, <laughs> but 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 you know, it's downtime and people want something to do. So some people may be playing the game on one half of the arena. The other half are being um, teased to to go shop, basically, uh, and it controls the flow of. Uh, of the environment itself too, but it also starts to build a deeper meaning um, between the venue and the, maybe the sports team or a rock band or whatnot to their audience. So that's, that's the most important thing is connecting people, right. Um, and giving them ownership and exclusivity. So now you can have, um, uh, you know, scenarios where, uh, you know, if you have an NFT, now you're privy to, say, someone's Discord server, which is something that we're going to be doing at Arc. Mm -hmm. You will be selling, you know, NFTs to uh, our Discord server, which will open you up to tons of free content, um, but also very exclusive content, whether that be analytics or, you know, straight up thought leadership from 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 our team. And actually, this is something I was thinking about as you were saying this. In a sense, today, you can create a loyalty program. You could create all these as apps, but you would have to create individual apps for each individual loyalty program. So you'd have to have your DoorDash points or your, you know, um, whatever it may be that you're using to to go to events. And I guess, ironically, when we say decentralization, am I correct that the the biggest selling point is that the customer owns this membership truly and can use this cross-functionally across various brands so that there isn't just one source they have to keep going back to all the time. Yeah, I mean, it it, it definitely depends on what scenario you want to set up. Some people want to cross-pollinate their um, products and services, so that's wonderful if you can share it across multiple um, services or in some cases, they may want it to be very exclusive and create a walled garden around their products and services because there is a barrier to entry. And, you know, membership, for the lack of a better quote here, membership does have its privileges, that kind of thing. What do you think uh, when you look at companies looking to utilize this kind of technology, blockchain NFTs, do you think, I mean, this is sort of a case-by-case -case basis, but do you think exclusivity is usually going to be the way, uh, the superior way to uh, a more open uh, dynamic, or do you think we're going to see more and more of that cross pollination? Yeah, I, I think you know you're going to see you know the Nikes of the world, you know, selling sneaker NFTs. Um, their whole their whole universe is predicated on um, you know having the hottest shoes or vintage sneakers or Jordans or whatever you're collecting. Um, so it's a little closed that way. But but the interesting thing beyond, you know, collecting and keeping your stuff in your wallet and having NFTs is the idea that brands can now create their own economy. They can also create, you know, their own universe in which their customers, their fans, their loyal fans can now communicate and trade with each other. So it is a token and tokens can be monetized or there can be tokenomics wrapped around each product or NFT so that there is this economic community where people can collect, buy and trade. Um, the NFTs. And it's no different than what we have now, whereas, hey, I'm a coin collector, right? And 
you know, I belong to several numismatist, you know, communities. Uh, what was that word? <laughs> numismatist. It's, it's a, it's the, you know, the term used for uh coin. I don't think I've ever heard that. I, I, That's a new I, one. I, I usually I, think of myself as having a decent vocabulary. Yeah, Matt. Uh, I I only know that because I did work with the U.S. <laughs> m- many years ago. Um, it was fascinating, actually. Wow. But um, yeah, so there's economics around it. You know, uh, it's no different. It's just more fluid now, um, and it's trusted. So, can you imagine connecting with someone years ago to trade co- like valuable or even precious coins uh, across uh, the mail system and with some antiquated? you know, finance system, um, you know, uh, the, uh, obviously there are tons of ways to do it, but now it's instant. It's really fast. The transaction fees are low. Um, and the community, it's just a great way in a very quick way to build and, um, foster communities around your brand and what people love. It's really interesting. And, and certainly there's that built in validation. And then it seems like, I think one of the things that- we're going to have to do is figure out additional layers of validation. I was just looking at Coindesk. Uh, just curious to get your take on it. This company, Optic, uh, raised $11 million in a seed round. Um, and I guess they're helping to confirm the validity of NFTs. I think we're still looking at the art space in this particular use. But is there are there additional technologies we're going to need to see down the pipeline, say, when you are dealing with these highly valuable collectibles, to confirm its validity beyond the NFT itself. I guess the question mark I always have is what if the information on the blockchain is wrong? What do we do then? What happens? Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things that I would say just to back up a little bit is, you know, smart contracts or NFTs are not that smart just yet. Um, They are in the sense that the contract is indelible and it's, it's validated across nodes on the blockchain. Yes, that's good. Um, but if you lift the hood and truly understand what goes into um, an NFT, only the contract is um, is on is actually on the blockchain. There are other components, art and other media components that are stored outside in separate servers. Um, in 2.0 world, if you will. So there's only slices of the NFT in the validation codes that actually get recorded to the blockchain. So in that regards, there's definitely a lot of work to be done where everything's encapsulated. And I think they do that for, for you know, weight reasons and, and gas fees and stuff like that to keep things down. Um, but we certainly will see um, NFTs and blockchain technologies being used to validate tons of things. And I think we're going to get into that in a little bit, but, um, you know, there will be, you know, it's very important to understand that this is all brand spanking new, you know, it's all, you know, it's only 2017, I think, or 16 that the NFT protocol was actually crafted. Um, there's lots of work and, and having talked to some of the, the authors of the NFT protocol themselves, there's a tremendous amount of work to be done. Um, you know, we're in their infancy and much like, you know, some of the, uh, recent events with Terra and a whole bunch of other networks, uh, and protocols kind of pancaking, um, we're experimenting and, and developing, uh, on the world stage right on the world's computer. So every hiccup, every, Mm. you know, burp, uh, (laughs) every little wrinkle will show. Um, And that's okay. And I guess guess it is very reminiscent of the 90s development too, right? We saw a lot of the dot. We really had to see some clearing of the brush, I guess, of of the ideas that weren't quite ready. Some were good ideas, but they were just ahead of their time. Well, well, yeah. I mean, the the technology was being developed back then, but... but we're running into the same, you know, it's not the same issues. It's similar, but different, meaning we developed, we developed, we developed, and uh, there was a lot of great things. We're seeing it with the stock market, and we're seeing it with the value uh, on alternative coins and, and Bitcoin itself right now is things, projects, I will say, projects were overvalued. 
the stock market. Most companies were overvalued. That's why the markets took a plunge, not because people just lost interest or don't believe in it. It has a long way to go. Too much and exuberance, basically, you're saying. People got there is a lot too of excited over these incredible technologies. Not that the technologies suddenly have lost their legs. It, it, exactly. And then, you know, we saw this with, you know, dot com, the dot bomb, if you will, the first uh, implosion. Um, things were overvalued. They were replicated. And there was a shakeout, a pretty big shakeout. What I, what I think is going to happen and what I hope actually happens is there's a natural shakeout with Web3, meaning if it doesn't work, if you're not satisfying things, if you're not using blockchain technologies properly, um, you will get sh shaken out. And now people are a bit more cautious. We got burnt a little bit in the, this past month or two, um, and, oh, quite a bit, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, understatement. But, you're, you know, it's an understatement, but the markets are bouncing back. And really what this podcast is about is not looking at the coins as they trade and what's up and what's down. What's We do look at value, but we look at value in the sense of utility and the people behind the technologies uh, and the protocols that are developing our new OSs, our new tools and, and, and dApps and applications. So it seems to me the biggest misconception when people talk crypto is that they obsess so much on the price, but they're missing this extraordinary story of all the projects being developed under the hood. Is that is that the way you'd see this? Yeah, absolutely. And years ago, um, when I started, uh, you know, I, I think it was 2013, I kind of dipped my toes into this. And then 2017, uh, got into mining and, you know, went heads down with a lot of blockchain right after, you know, totally after that and got so absorbed into it. But the narrative, it, it, you need to think of the narrative back in 2013, uh, or even earlier, if you got in earlier, um, the narrative was, are you kidding me? Why would you mess around with uh, a type of digital currency that only drug dealers use on the Silk Road? And then it was like, whoa, this thing has legs. And now the term crypto is kind of getting dinged. Um, and is, it's not a dirty word, obviously. <laughs> uh, we all use it every day. But it is, it has, crypto has a connotation, the word itself, to finance, to trading, tokenization, and that's fine. But there is a giant world behind it. And it, 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 you know, just like, you know, when I started to learn about finance many, many years ago and started to maybe invest. Uh, uh, you know, funds into uh, savings plans or or, or um, stock market. The stock market itself is the the most valuable lesson you can learn is don't blindly invest in companies because they've got a a great logo and you know you you, you, you love the service. Lift the hood. Who's running the ship? What technologies behind it? Will it go out of date? You know, out of uh, uh, out of date in in ten years. You have to understand the runway for some of these uh, investments in, in technology companies, and it's the same thing for for blockchain companies. Now, I think you know with some of these hurdles and implosions that have happened, it forces people inward. So now the narrative, you know, through podcasts like you know the Arcs, you know, Web three podcast. Uh, and, uh, and other people, smart people out there who are talking about the utility and the function of these uh, applications and technologies, that's exciting because then people are starting to understand the value behind it and actually the architecture that is being put in place. Yeah, it does seem like it was really not that long ago that just the term NFT excited people just the idea that you would invest in a crypto coin or a token or a, an ico was was a big deal and now it seems like people are kind of saying wait a minute what do you have what's the technology that makes you unique they're more interested in that white paper they want to know what what you're proposing not 
not just, oh, this is going to be the hot new investment that's going to give me 3,000% returns. Absolutely. Yeah. So people are, are digging in. They're, they are starting to, and I, like I said, the narrative is changing and they want to understand the value, right? And I, I told you earlier on in, in the, 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 the broadcast here that everything is overvalued. Everything on the NASDAQ uh, and everything on the blockchain was overvalued. People were excited. You know, NFTs, the thing that I loved is you had, uh, it was a good thing and a bad thing. You had a lot of younger people, you know, actually making tractions with investments. You had a, lo a lot of younger people and some older people who have never invested before, but kind of believed in the technology and, and took the ride. And it was a wild ride <laughs> and made some people famous, some people extremely rich. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't care who you are, you lost your shirt in some way, shape or form. Um, but we're all bouncing back and the narrative's changing. So th that's the exciting part for me. And so let me ask just what we look for when we're looking at, as ARC, when we're looking at interesting blockchain developments, when we're looking for interesting projects, what are, what are the metrics we're, we're measuring? Yeah, it's a great question, Matt. And um, we look at companies all the time, either for acquisitions or partnerships or straight up just, you know, uh, clients to work with from a communications branding and development standpoint. Um, we, you know, often say, and you'll see it on our website, transformation, acceleration, and innovation, right? So transformation is what we do. We'll take you from zero to hero from a brand marketing or product standpoint, but we also are very much into the acceleration part of it. So what makes ARC really attractive to a lot of, uh, you know, funded startups and even, you know, Fortune 500s is that we also, in many cases, take a stake in, in the project that we're uh, looking at. Um, that's a, that's a, a high level. And then innovation is in, inherent in everything we do, um, especially in the Web3 space, because we look for those gaps. We look um, for necessity and, and utility, and usually that's where the innovation part comes into play. Um, now, when we lift the hood and start to look at we, you know, various companies, large to small, uh, we look at where um, where they're kind of rooting their technology, what platforms they're using. Are they boxing themselves in? Um, will will their choice in partnerships within Web3 stand the test of time? We also look at like more granular stuff uh, when we're looking at code is, are you using a single chain or multi-chain? Um, most people, you know, after even after the whole terror debacle and other protocols collapsing, a lot of them collapsed, and most people don't know this, because they were single chain. Mm. They were tethered to a certain protocol or um, uh, ecosystem that no longer had the legs to, to, to carry on. Um, the multi-chain uh, uh, applications or protocols uh, definitely had many, many more options to change their ecosystems or adapt more. So that provides a certain redundancy when it's multi-chain. Uh, well, absolutely. It, you know, you may not use multi-chain, but your code is set up in a certain manner where you can switch uh, change fairly uh, chains fairly easily uh, on the fly. So um, yeah, so we look at we look at you know very granular technology type of scenarios. We look at um, how from a from a branding perspective, you know, is this a tool that people could um, or service that people will start to take notice of? How difficult would it be to market um, uh, market this particular product? Or uh, not that we're 
uh, avert, adverse to challenge. That's why we're here. Um, it's more or less, um, you know, what is the, what's going to be the left? So we have to understand what the investment is on our side as well. Um, and, you know, what are they generating value? We always ask that. Are they solving real problems? If it's a really sexy app that, you know, doesn't really, it's kind of entertaining or has a little bit of value, you know, it may not be for us. We want everything rooted in uh, value and and utility. When you said, um, this struck me, when you said boxed in, that companies can box themselves in, what do you mean by that? And how can companies make sure they're not uh, pursuing this too narrowly? Yeah, I mean, you you can get boxed in through, um, you know, uh, snappy platform decisions that, you know, may paint you into a box because uh, you only focused on single chain versus multi chain. Um, Different technologies will handle certain things, but then. It's like web web 2.0, you know, the early days of the web too. Most of them, uh, those bigger sites, especially some of the e-commerce sites uh, and marketing-driven sites, became what I call glue and duct tape. Mm. So many disparate types of of uh, third-party applications used to support a bigger platform that supports another platform and you have to bolt it into this and that. So it's a little bit of like, you know, does it play well with the back office and, you know, and, and the blockchain itself. So not, you know, it's not just about building one application that lives on the blockchain and Hey, it's going to be great. There's a whole ecosystem behind your organization and you have to understand how it, it plays. You have to understand the data you'll be receiving, how to use it. Um, and you know, what your customers are liking and disliking, um, as you go through. And that's part of the, the natural order of product development, you know, build blow, you know, build, uh, strategize, uh, you know, strategize, build and, and blow it up again and rebuild, <laughs> uh, while all while listening to your end. And, and I, I guess that's a very time-tested strategy. Even though these are new technologies, it's a very time-tested approach, I suppose, right? Yeah, absolutely. I gave a, a, a talk at um, I, several years ago. Um, it, it was definitely a premature talk, talking about design and user experience around um, around blockchain applications. And most people looked at me like, <laughs> "What's a blockchain?" Uh, uh, well, no, they they. All right. They all knew what was coming, and there were a lot of more developers. But when I spoke about, you know, uh, creating systems that, you know, understanding how to create systems, whether it be for your brand or for your product, it kind of, you know, they glossed over a little bit. I could see why, <laughs> because they, because most of them weren't there. They're not like it's. We're not even in 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 the interface phase. We don't even have an interface. So a lot of these challenges uh, are coming up. Um, now, because we're going to start to see lots of apps come out. And that that's the exciting part for us here at ARC is we live for those challenges. We are doing, we're actually working in the space to, to, to figure out, you know, uh, how to deal with sensitive keys and um, uh, uh, data points that people either need or don't need to, to uh, complete a task or enjoy an application. I think last week we had such an interesting conversation on the Solana saga, you know, the Web3 phone in this direction. And it gets me wondering, in terms of design, do you think the future of blockchain products will look similar to Web2 and to the apps we see today? Or is there an entirely new design language that we're going to have to imagine? Well, I think, um, and then... This is the this is the, uh, the the question that we ask ourselves all the time, and what will it look like, and how it will react. Most of these applications you'll be interacting with will be on your phone or your desktop or your laptop, tablets, whatever you're using. That front end experience is you know uh, could be you know. HTML or, you know, React, a React, uh, you know, uh, Web2 type of interface. 
the the types of um, interactions you will partake in uh, as far as transferring money, uh, flipping coins to different, you know, other, uh, uh, you know, tokenomics systems, um, purchasing things. It's yet to like the first half of that's been figured out already. Kind of that experience still connecting a wallet is still, you know, a bit kludgy. Um, still needs a lot to work out. What happens when you have multiple types of NFTs and or uh, dApps in your in your wallet? How do you organize those? How do they they how do you interact with them? Uh, some people say, and I'm not adverse to this kind of thinking, is your wallets will do a tremendous amount in the future. Um, they'll have sensitive information. You may have your driver's license on there. You may have validated work experiences uh, right at the, your fingertips on your phone. Um, but how we get into them and how we interact with them, this is still being figured out. But you know, we're in those discussions right now, working with some of the, the bigger protocols and, and, and bigger companies out there to figure out some of these problems. Um, or I, I wouldn't even say problems. They're just the evolution of applications. Um, so the front end will look very similar. Hopefully will look uh, similar, um, but maybe have a little bit of a different experience as far as dealing with funds and other information. And again, also, what content do you show? What content do you not show? On, right. on that wallet side, I'm just curious. Do you think we're going to move to a point where there is almost a single soul-bound wallet, someplace, a way for us to organize everything that we do on the blockchain? Or do you think it's going to be a future where we just have all these different wallets, different protocols we're interacting with? And just kind of like today, how we have endless messaging apps, endless browsers, email, social media, et cetera. Is it just going to continue like that, do you think? Or, or is there a way it'll simplify on, on the customer or consumer end? I, I think once we once we see tons of apps kind of being released or enough apps being released, it's like everything else. You know, social networks have come and gone. Messaging platforms have come and gone. And people migrate because the tools are better or the privacy is better, or whatever it may be, there's a lifespan to almost every application out there. So uh, I think what we have a lot of learning to do, so there may be someone who comes out with an Uber wallet, right? right? Not Uber's wallet. <laughs> yeah, right. You, you may have a blockchain Uber app in your wallet, but- um, But you mean Uber in the sense of the ultimate, the ultimate wallet. Exactly. It is the ultimate wallet and you'll be able to browse stores right from there, make purchases, uh, convert, um, uh, convert funds, uh, and literally do tons of transactions within one environment. Now, what that in one environment looks like, we're not sure. Right now you have your MetaMasks and, and other soft wallets that you use uh, and connect them to websites, but it's purely, you know, all right, you've got an NFT in there and and some tokens. But ultimately, that world will open up and it'll be very utility driven. And you'll you'll have life tools, like life tools that you'll be using. You may down the road have medical records, you know, um, that you need at your fingertips, dental records, um, you know, past work, validated past work history. Uh, that's been validated on blockchain. That's pretty amazing um, in itself because, you know, how many uh, fake LinkedIn accounts right. are out there and how much trolling goes on uh, just from a sales standpoint? Um, you know, so what it looks like, I think, will take time uh, and things will blow up and then, you know, either expand or contract. And just like everything else, People will trust more brand, you know, different brands over others. But I think it'll be less about, you know, that warm, fuzzy brand thing. And it's more about trust. Right. And, and ultimately, at the end of the day, what drives what goes in, into our wallets, how we keep them and how we interact with them 
will be predicated on uh, trusted connections that you feel good about tapping on and interacting with. I guess it kind of is, it's interesting because it's almost reassuring to think about it that way. Because when we see some of these companies and some of these projects flaming out, granted, it's not fun to be on, on the receiving end of, of having your project not work, but it also shows there's sort of a Darwinian component taking place here where we're, we're moving and consolidating toward what has utility, right? We're not just, um, we're not just going to have millions of projects that people are endlessly excited about. We're actually starting to ask the pivotal questions like what's the use here and what's the value here? And then the market will, I suppose, in the same way that it eliminated all the social media networks and we ended up with Facebook or you had, if you remember when we had like 10 different major uh, search engines from web crawler to InfoSeq, we finally landed on Google and maybe something similar is starting to happen uh, with, with blockchain project projects and with crypto and with uh, Web3. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, you'll see, you know, things will blow up and then they'll they'll simmer down and um, you'll have a shakeout period. Um, but I think what will happen is because of the nature uh, uh, of blockchain and the crypto universe in general, that cycle will most likely happen quicker. Um, and, you know, people will flame out earlier rather than later. Um, and it also, you know, it also is uh, all these projects are predicated on grants and funds and, you know, fundraising, um, uh, seed money and, and venture uh, 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 investments. There, you know, the investors are going to start to ask questions. So these, you know, deeper questions, you know, and it's interesting because I hear from some of our clients is, you know, Rich, we used to give a pitch like two weeks ago before the uh, the the Terra Luna explosion. Um, two weeks before that, we'd give a 20 minute pitch, deliver a white paper, and we'd have an answer in five minutes with 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 funding. Wow. Now, exactly. Now it's, uh, you know, let's, you know, they got to give it the sniff test, lift the hood, go under. And rightfully so. They should have been doing that from day one. Now it takes the process longer. There are more detailed questions um, and people truly want to understand the value you're bringing to the end customer and what kind of legs does that have from a, an investment standpoint? Are you going to make me money at the end of the day? That's that's the that's the real questions they're asking. It really is so reminiscent of the late '90s. There's this book I love called um, "Eft Companies," and this it's kind of <laughs> this guy's snarkily making fun of all these different companies that tanked during the dot bomb era. But what's so interesting is most of those companies, when you look at them, he's making fun of the idea of selling pet food online and the idea of, uh, you know, sort of digital rewards points and all these, these, almost every single one of those businesses became a real business. It was just ahead of its time. And I think it's, it's kind of a funny book at the time to read because it, it, those ideas did seem ridiculous. But then you go back now and you think, wow, you know, maybe we, we should embrace the possible because Every single one of those things has mostly exists today. And I think a lot of what we're saying here, people are, may laugh and think, oh, this isn't possible. But it's not that long before uh, impossible becomes possible. Exactly. Um, and the one thing I would say is, look, this is not it's not a fad. It's not a trend. It's not some new plot, fancy platform that people are developing on. It, it's 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 much bigger much bigger than ourselves and it's cryptography is a uh and harnessing the idea of cryptography which you know the original cypherpunks or you you know uh satoshi did um you know that's it's profound and once you wrap your head around it you realize the implications of actually building applications predicated on truth and honesty is is mind blowing, um, much like much like current times. Now we have to watch who's telling the truth and doing whatever. And you always you it, it, it's not a reason to close your eyes and jump in. Always look before you jump. Obviously, always look before you buy and everything else that goes with that. But now it's it's quite different. Now it, it's it's it, the technology is here to stay. 
Um, the exciting part is when, when most people, you know, hopefully in the marketing, the advertising world, uh, governments, healthcare, they all start to embrace it and really start to see the value that it can bring and efficiencies that it can bring, not just financial efficiencies, but workflow efficiencies, um, you know, supply chain efficiencies. It, it's profound. Um, uh, and it, it, that's the part that excites me is when the world starts to kind of embrace and wake up, uh, it, it, it's, it's going to be a floodgate and there's just going to be wonderful projects uh, and wonderful uses of the technology. I, and not to zoom out too much, but I was just thinking even for uh, democracies, I mean, if you had blockchain verified elections uh, around the world, that's a game changer. Am I right? Oh, Matt. <laughs> that's a whole different rabbit hole. That's a whole separate episode, I think. It, but. it, 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 it is. <laughs> we, we should definitely, that's going to take some time to, to uh, unpack, you know, right? Unpack, you know, pardon the pun, but um, it, it, you, you, it's one of the first things I thought of uh, years ago. And I'm like, well, I want all elections on the blockchain. Why not? I mean, no I'm debate. sure someone, I'm sure, exactly, there's no debate. Um, I'm sure someone will figure out how to game the system. But at the end, the very end of it, you can't make it to the polls. That's fine. Use this, you know, specific app <laughs> the, that's connected to a wallet and the blockchain. Better than hanging chads. Can you remember? <laughs> that's how you're trying to determine which vote is which. Uh, the floor. Yeah, it, exactly. It, 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 it alleviates any kind of uh, fraudulent activity or uh, nefarious kind of doings, if you will. Um, I'm excited about that. And that certainly should be <laughs> a future podcast for sure. As we sort of wrap up today, um, I think this is something you've said, and I, I think it's always an interesting point to cover. When we talk about Web3, you say it's helping to build the trusted web. And can you maybe just elaborate on that a little bit? And uh, just if you have any examples or anything that you're seeing today, we've talked about Brave. Um, we've talked about the browser and then some interesting existing projects that we're seeing. These are in their infancy, but interesting signals of the direction we're moving in, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And it also, it all leverages up to the, the, the term I like to use um, for, for years I've been using it is the, the world's computer, right? So de developers and protocols and uh, organizations are developing these OSs, if, if you will. A lot of them are like, you know, operating systems. Uh, some of them are just flat out, you know, protocol driven applications that have, you know, one or a few jobs to do. Um, but the, 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 the trusted web is, you know, the idea of the, the, it's all about the validation nodes. It no longer, my, my transaction just went into the ether on web 2.0. You're hoping someone didn't glean your, your personal data in between that transaction. And also there's no verification that, I mean, there is verification and there are stop gaps like, you know, um, different financial institutions, uh, that'll be middlemen to to alleviate, uh, like PayPal. PayPal really is an interesting technology. Uh, I've been using it for years for the simple fact that, you know, it's easier on returns if there's fraudulent activity. Um, it's, a, it's a nice buffer between, you know, uh, an un potentially an unknown entity and your money. Right. Um, so... Now with the trusted web, now it's it's still the web in 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 essence, but now there's cryptography and validation points or checkpoints put into place, and that's why I like to call it the trusted web. You can now fully trust it, um, and I think that's going to have profound impact. And just on that sort of contemporary projects, what was that thing about Brave browser you were telling me about again with the uh, something around? the way you can view ads and uh oh yeah i mean brave i've been i love brave since they you know the 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 uh, inventor of uh, javascript developed the brave browser um and uh you know 
they they set out to flip the advertising industry within the publishing world on its head. Uh, and I think they they are they are doing that. Um, and you know you can choose to see ads, and if you choose to see ads, you get um, bat tokens or basic attention tokens, right? You gave us your eyeballs for a few seconds. Um, you looked at a bunch of ads, and now you've got a, you've got tokens in your wallet. They actually do have a wallet connected to the browser. Um, you can use it as simply as a browser with no ads. You can contribute to the community and as far as looking at the ads. You can collect tokens. But the interesting part now is you can actually use those tokens to support other organizations uh, across the web. So if there are publishers you really like, you know, I happen to like this writer. Uh, I tune into this person's podcast every day. Um, you know, this guy wrote a great book. I want to give them a tip because I got something from them. Now you're starting to create this really interesting trust mechanism between it because you're earning and you're spending. It's not like you're spending it on, you know, I'm going to, oh, exit my bat tokens and, and, and buy an NFT. It stays in no. the ecosystem. It stays in the ecosystem, you know, for now at least. Um, and you get to spend within the ecosystem. And it, it's it, it's a revolutionary way of of understanding how um, to distribute funds, but honestly and you know thoughtfully, um, they're doing a tremendous amount of stuff with that with that browser. Uh, every time I see someone using a different browser, I'm like, why wouldn't you just use Brave? Um, <laughs> I'm still on Chrome. I guess I have that. Yeah, no, Chrome is great. They're they're use what you like, but um, I felt they were. You know, and I, they still are fostering a really kind of special early adopter community that will show others the way. Um, and there is a different way to do to make money in advertising. There truly is. You just have to be accepting and you have to be creative in your execution. But there are new ways and blockchain will open that up. You just have to get creative. Do you think blockchain in general gives us more privacy, more uh, transparency, or I guess both? Well, I mean, um, I think what we'll start to see is um, through blockchain and various applications and technologies, we'll, we'll, we'll start to see people, people are demanding that their, their information is is theirs demanding it back actually it seems like this is a big movement right now yeah it, it it truly it has been for for some time now but i think with the advent of blockchain you'll be able to um, put those controls in place where i mean think about this hypothetically um i don't know how hypothetical it actually will be in the next month or year at least but you know having your one social media account and it's all of your information in one place in your wallet. You know exactly what it is and how secure it is. And then if you want to go to Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever you want, LinkedIn, you, you allow your information to be used. This is the soul bound that uh, Vitalik talks about, I think, right? Absolutely. Soul bound wallet. Exactly. So it's there to keep. You can't hack it. You can't take it. Um, but you can control it, and that's up to you. that's up to you. And 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 this is this is part of you know what's going on in the world right now. You know, there's you turn on the news or read any any publication, and there's something on fire, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and. And it's because we have information so readily available to ourselves instantaneously. But it's also the idea of, of people really wanting more control over themselves and potentially, you know, smaller governments or smaller institutions that run massive organizations that you know, basically have faucets on people's data uh, and then, you know, personal information and it's bought and sold behind. It's, 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 it's almost like too big to fail kind of thing. Right. Um, but people are starting to demand more 
of their institutions, their governments, and everything else. We see it in Venezuela. We see it everywhere. Um, complete countries flipping to um, cryptocurrencies because they're out of options. Everything well, so everything's been burnt to the ground. What's so funny is it seems like in such a rapid period of time, everyone signed on unknowingly to losing so much privacy. And when we just sort of to tie it all in, when we look at the early phases of what we're seeing with NFTs right now, that's kind of a beginning uh, part of taking that ownership back, taking digital ownership back that we lost. I mean, we didn't even know we lost it as we lost it. But now we're realizing that we need to own our own piece of, of this new digital landscape we've created, which we now all live in. It's not like there yeah. is a metaverse that's coming. There already is sort of the existing primitive metaverse today, it seems. Absolutely. And I think you hit it spot on the head, Matt, with um, the the idea of not even knowing you lost your data, right. which is which is pretty scary. And um, I think people are, are waking up uh, across not just outside of crypto in the, with every topic. They're just waking up, waking up on new ways to buy cars, new ways to invest, new ways to share data. It's it, it, when I say it is kind of profound, uh, the next, you know, 10 years, I think we will see um, the next digital, you know, uh, revolution for sure. Uh, there will be so much change and, you know, not to the point where it's distract. you know, it could be distracting for some, but um, it's going to be a good thing. You know, uh, there will be a lot of change, but and it will be disruptive and you will see giants fall. Right. Um, but for the end user, I think this is like it's coming back to the end user. It'll give us more uh, power. We're not going to be so dictated by so few, I guess, is, is what you're saying. Exactly. That's that's the hopes. So let's uh, I guess as we're wrapping up, I think so many big, uh, big things we covered. If there are like two or three takeaways for someone watching this, listening to this, I should say, uh, what would those be? Yeah, I mean, no matter what you do in life, always do your research, do your homework. Um, don't just invest or, you know, jump into a, a you know, blockchain uh, tokenomics uh, or token system uh, before knowing what you're getting into. Um, and that's that's good for product people, uh, creatives, investors, everyone um, understand the universe you're playing in and what these uh, applications will do for humanity and and for you personally um, and and what they're offering uh, understand the idea of utility because we're gonna we're gonna beat that word up here <laughs> at, <laughs> at arc uh, because it, it is you know a foundational element to to everything that we're doing um, and understanding the right questions to understand if products and services have utility and if they truly are doing right by you. Um, so understand that. Um, and then, you know, I would say, you know, keep doing your homework, keep researching and keep staying involved. Um, this universe will has lots of wrinkles. It's got bumps, bruises, and it's going to have a lot more uh, before we get done with it. But observe it over time and you'll start to see the the wrinkles and the the user experiences get better uh and embrace it learn about it dive into it read a book read articles um does does it mean you have to go and you know become a rust developer tomorrow or uh you know you know uh, start developing uh decentralized applications no it means you should understand this world, uh, whether it's from 40 foot, 40,000 foot view, uh, and you're camping out and watching what happens, or you you're in the discussion, and you've got opinions and or um, you're building for it. Exactly. So to, you know, stay in it. Great things to keep in mind and, and certainly not wanting to miss out on everything, making sure that yeah. we're aware of what's happening. Yeah, and I wouldn't say it's FOMO. It's like you know, that's yeah. kind of the inv the investor end of it. Like, oh, I should have bought Ethereum ten years ago, <laughs> seven years I ago. Really should have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone should have. But um, it's not. It's not really about that. It's about fear. 
it's just it's just it's an evolution that's happening evolutions especially ones like this are going to happen exponentially faster it's almost like um you know Moore's law and and the microchip uh, industry. You know every so every the the technology doubles every so so many years. Uh, the processors get faster and faster and faster. So uh, that's the hardware end of things. But the same thing is with the way we learn, the way we communicate, and the way we transact um, is exponentially changing and faster. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I guess uh, we're going to keep that conversation going. Hopefully, we'll have time uh, before everything exponentially changes altogether. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this has been Web3 Unpacked, everybody. Thank you, Rich. I'm Matt Sky, uh, Rich Pasqua. And uh, follow us on Discord. Uh, of course, you can always follow us on arctai.com. And we'll, uh, we'll, I guess, see you probably next week or soon. Yes. Thank you, everyone. Thanks. <laughs>